The people I, who think that they are usable are probably the the least from being used by God. Oh. And this is what we see. The, the challenges we see from Moses' life are an example for you and I. Because Moses could have thrown in the towel ultimately and just completely walked away and abandoned everything. But what trials and tribulation and persecution and temptation and sufferings do is they push us, they thrust us to the foot of a bloodstained cross and say, it's not about me. I can't. You can. Let's go. I've been very disappointed with you guys many times, so this won't be anything new if I'm disappointed again today. But please, please, please tell me you guys are familiar with Cheez-It. The crackers? The crackers? No. Did I say (laughs) Cheez-Its? I'm disappointed in myself. Cheese Whiz. Cheese Whiz. Cheese Whiz. whiz. Ray doesn't know what Cheese Whiz is. They can handle a nuclear Mark, blast. Mark, why do you strike me as a cheese whiz kind of guy? I don't know. I wouldn't eat that. But Velveeta is no, really I good. I can see you with your head cranked back and just... I've actually never done that. Right? Cheese whiz is, uh, what do you call it? Like a canned cheese? It's canned imitation cheese. nuclear yeah. war cheese that goes to the moon. Honestly, though, some imitation things are just better. Like American cheese. My wife is like, it's not real cheese. And I'm like, I don't care because it tastes amazing No, they on don't. On, on that kind of cheese, they don't even put cheese, right? Because they get sued because it's, it's not like real stuff. cheese. Yeah. How's it not real There's cheese? There's plastic in it. Did you see? there? I saw an expose not too long ago where they had plastic inside American cheese. Okay, you, guys, uh, you guys eat it? Yes. Amen. Mark it's is so a good. cheese whiz. I love cheese, it. It. cheese whiz. Ooh. At In-N-Out, I get double the cheese. 100%. Is that real cheese? At in and out. Yes, of course it is. Sounds yeah. like it seems like it's in and out. They yeah. cool. to us. Did you guys say jibne? It says cheese on the menu. That's cheese in Arabic. What? It says cheese on the menu. Yeah. So it's got to be real cheese. Got to be real cheese. Do you know that they put cheese whiz on Philly cheesesteaks in Philadelphia? No. That's like a that's a real thing. Seriously? Yeah. If you live in Philly and you're listening to this podcast, you can send us an email <laughs> at podcast at livingwaters.com to confirm my There's statement because no I've been told that they put cheese whiz yeah. on. You guys like that? You guys like the? Uh, you guys ever seen the peanut butter and jelly swirl in a jar? Yes, that's good. That's really smart. Oh, I don't know. That's brilliant. That. That's so yeah. American peanut butter and jelly, but I yeah. like it. Yeah, Daniel wouldn't eat that. He wouldn't. Oh no, he doesn't. Let no, me tell doesn't. you guys the best. Well, not the best, but one of the best inventions ever made: sour cream in a squeezable tube. Yes, amen. Oh. Rachel makes tacos at home. Do you know the difficulty of actually scooping in it? How long it takes? Okay, but hold on. As the only Mexican here, the second you put sour cream on a taco, it's no longer a taco. Porque no. What is it? I don't know what it is. No, it's the shell of Del Taco, Taco Bell type hard shell I had Del Taco for breakfast. Stop, Mark. Stop. Amen. So you gave up on on Wiener Schnitzel today? Yes, I cheated Cheated on Wiener Schnitzel. schnitzel. Two chicken soft tacos, no sauce, and a Del Beef burrito with 10 Del Scorcho salsas over the top and some water (laughs) to take care of the heartburn. Yeah, Yeah, amen. Literally just talking yesterday about your health. I know. I'm going to work on my health. It's on my bucket list. Yeah. But in the meantime, (laughs) taste and see that the Lord is good and he's provided good things. Amen. You guys aren't lactose intolerant, aren't you? Not today. Yeah. Lock? Lactose. <laughs> lactose intolerant people should be illegal. No, it breaks my heart for them. I mean, to not be able to enjoy dairy. Yeah. Oh, man. That's pretty bad. How about the people that are lactose intolerant and they just throw in the towel and said, forget it, I'm just going to enjoy <laughs> dairy because it. you live once. Yeah, and they pay for it very badly. Well, friends, we're going to move right along because we have a lot to cover today. Here's a comment from TBREN21. TBREN21. Tuberculosis. No, TBREN. A must listen. These guys are awesome. I'm learning so much and growing in my faith with these (laughs) hosts. Ray Comfort is a treasure. 
I so want to share my faith with others and this podcast as well as the Evidence Bible is helping me to do that. Thanks, guys. God bless. See, I told you the Evidence uh, Bible. It's is true. He is, a, he is a small treasure. Thank One you. that needs to be buried. <laughs> <laughs> Not buried long to go, but... Yeah. Uh, what an encouragement. Thank you, yeah, Tbren21. Nice. And do this pe- podcast. Do, do people ever sign their real names to these? Uh, probably rarely. taken. I think the idea of having numbers after the name is just because all the ones Others yeah, are taken. prior are taken. So when we get one that's like seven numbers, that's a yeah. popular one. Like we'll John. That. My name yeah. is John. John. Three, two, John, four, five billion. This podcast is brought to you by the Starter Kit. Million dollar bills, 10 commandment coins, comics, are you a good person? Small version, 101 of the world's funniest one-liners. Ray, I helped redesign that cover, yeah, of I which I'm said, proud. Oscar, did I see you turn Easy's volume down? <laughs> <laughs> you leaned over. Yeah. So well, that's too. what he gets for wearing those silly things I on do have a question for you. Do you, at home, do you just go into the bathroom and like practice your voices? Like I if know. I asked your family, would they be like, yeah, Rachel, wake up in the I morning. Want <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. Yes, friends, check out the starter kit. Ray, you, you're very excited about the starter I'm kit. I'm trying to tune you down, but <laughs> <laughs> that's, why, that's why I wear the earplugs. Yeah. Well, friends, we're extraordinarily exuberant today because we have a studio packed with friends. We've got the crew in the house. The boys, they call them, our big fans. We got Mark's son, Ethan. We got my son, Danny. Luke is on his way. What's up, guys? Make some noise. Make some noise. <laughs> Big fans of the podcast. Good to have you guys. Hopefully, Oscar will bore you to death. All right. Done. Today, see, look, only five minutes in today. Because last time when we were doing one of these character studies, we ran out of time, kind of. We squeezed it in. Uh, Life of Joseph, I think. But today, we're talking about Moses. Musa in Arabic. Which rhymes with one of my favorite Arab dishes, Lebanese dishes, kusa. You had I'm kusa? expecting you to rat Moses. Don't, don't. Moses, he interposes everything he does, but he never poses. You know what I'm saying? He loves them roses. Not just that, but he's got a real cool nose. (laughs) (laughs) Easy. Mark and I hate rap. Carry on. Yeah. (laughs) So um, Moses, guys, uh, this is a big one. I thought we were doing that on roses and flowers. (laughs) I'm way off on my crap. Moses, Musa, Al-Kusa. So Moses, obviously, uh, like the other guys we've talked about, pillar of the faith. We know his story born in a time when Pharaoh was, well, a a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph, right? Mm -hmm. So he was out to destroy the children of Israel because they had multiplied and they were fearful they were going to overthrow, you know, the the Egyptian monarchy. And so uh, his parents hide him for three months because they were afraid, you know, he was going to get killed. And he was a beautiful child. Beautiful child. And, you know, that's interesting, I thought, that that that's the indication. <laughs> they saw he was beautiful, and so they yeah, saved him. Most, what if he wasn't? Most babies are ugly. I don't know if you've noticed when babies are first born, parents have got the inbuilt sort of eyes that think they're beautiful. But when you look back on the firstborn baby, you think, what? I think it was oh, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I, I was one of the only probably parents that was like, this is going to continue to ferment, right? <laughs> <laughs> they're not done. <laughs> no, there's times I seriously catch myself because you just naturally by default say, oh, what a beautiful. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> just That's <lie."> a baby. <laughs> yeah, so obviously there was something about this baby that uh, made them keep him. So they put him in that little ark daubed with pitch and asphalt. That's that's interesting, probably to, to waterproof it. And then Moses, Pharaoh's daughter, sees him and basically adopts him, right? Moses' sister was there, and uh, she Pharaoh's took him. daughter was called Sees him? 
You didn't know that? <laughs> yeah. He said Pharaoh's daughter sees him. Yeah, sees him. Took him. So sees him, sees him. And Moses' sister was there, obviously following, following it to see what happens. And then she takes him and uh, Pharaoh's daughter asks her to nurse him, the mom to nurse him. That's and a wonderful so, story. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it is. And then from there, we see what the Lord did. It says, but when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away, brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned and all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in word and deed. And he sees uh, these gals, the, the daughters of the, <laughs> the priest of Midian. You're in California, oh, he sees these the gals. <laughs> these chicks. And, you know, they're getting harassed by the, by, by the other shepherds, uh-huh. obviously. And so Moses intervenes and then they take him home and lo and behold, he ends up marrying one of them, Zipporah. And then let's go to the burning bush, Ray. I want oh. you to, to, to touch on that scene. You know, he's out there, he's just doing his thing, and then boom. Yeah, I, I, I actually saw that burning bush as a new Christian. I was two weeks old, and I went to see the Ten Commandments hmm. and something called surround sound, which was kind of new there. And I was, I remember I was sitting in the theater, I'm in the exact moment, sitting in the theater, enjoying the movie, and suddenly I hear, Moses, hmm. and I burst into tears. Me, a grown man, grown, <laughs> grown man, just weeping, and I thought, what is going on? And that's when I realized how much I love the Lord and how much mm. emotion is just tied up in me in my worship and, and uh, adoration of the God that gave me life. Yeah. But uh, what a thrilling thing. Moses takes off his shoes because he's on holy ground. All ground is holy ground. We should be walking barefoot, really, in a mm. sense, in our minds. But that, that was a burning bush that didn't consume the bush. Yeah. And Moses was able to stand in the presence of the God who's a consuming fire and not be consumed. And that's what we're like. We're mm. like those burning bushes that don't get consumed in the presence of God, all because of what Jesus did on that cross. Oh. I also think the burning bush marks this incredible change in, in Moses. You know, in the beginning, we, we brushed through Moses in Egypt, yeah. and you see him try to take control of, of, of his own situation. He, he tries to usurp control and power and authority. He acts as an arrogant figure, and it gets himself in trouble. He ends up running away. But after the burning bush, he's a very different man. He's a humble man. He's a man that realizes, I can't do anything outside of using God's power. I cannot do it on my own. When God ultimately calls him to free his people, Moses has a humble look on himself. Who am I, O Lord? So he goes from this prideful, arrogant man that wants to use his own power to this man who, who knows he has no power to make a, a difference in the world. Do you think it was humility or a lack of trust in God? Because we, we can identify with Moses, I just don't have eloquency of speech. I can't you know. open my mouth for the kingdom of God. God says, just go and do it. Yeah. You know, Mark, you, you actually touch on this. I know you have a sermon where you actually get into that. And, and let's hone in on those words, Exodus 4, 10 to 13. Then Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send, <laughs> right? I mean, what was going on there, Mark? Was, was Moses terrified to go back to Pharaoh? 
and, and, and consideration of what will happen? Or was he really not very eloquent in speech and he just was afraid? What's the deal? Well, he was a learned man. We know that he was a learned man. Right. He was and it said, my, it said mighty in speech and yeah. acts. But yeah. Yeah. So this is the fourth of four different excuses that Moses, uh, that Mo gives God. Mo. And Bro, Mo with the glow. He, he first starts off uh, in uh, chapter three, verse 11. He says, uh, who am I that I should go before Pharaoh? And that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Yeah. Right. So he just comes out of this experience of re- really killing someone. Right. He comes from this place of I've blown it. I've messed up. I should not be used. Yeah. Who am I that I should do this thing? And then he demonstrates that he's on the right track, at least momentarily, when he says, "All right, so that didn't work because it has nothing to do with me. Right. It has to do with him, not me." So he says, "Who are you?" When they say, well, whom sent you? What's his name? Wow. So momentarily, he's right, because it's all about God. And then God says, well, listen, I am who I am. Uh, I'm not manipulated. I'm not fickle. I'm not becoming something. I've always existed. I am, fill in the blank. The answer is yes. Yeah. I am that person. And then he says, they're not going to listen to me in chapter 4, verse 1. And in essence, he's calling God a liar, though he's not saying it out loud, because God says, Back in chapter 2, I have come down to deliver them. Chapter 3, verse 8, I have come down to deliver them. These are my people that I have set apart. So the work is going to get accomplished. Mm -hmm. But Moses has this problem. They're not going to listen to me. Well, then number 4, this is what you brought up in verse 10, when he says, listen, I'm not an eloquent man. Now, here's a litmus test that Moses is throwing out there. Because he knows that God is a God of miracles, God can do whatever he wants, and he has this litmus test saying, all right, I'm not an eloquent man, but God can make me an eloquent man. And look what it says here. I'm not an eloquent man, neither before nor since you've spoken to your servant. Hmm. So he was thinking, all right, since I'm not an eloquent man in my own eyes, since I don't deserve to be used because of the things that I've done, well, God can miraculously change me Hmm. and turn me into a vessel of honor because I've been a vessel of dishonor up to this point. And God's all, nope, no change, just a promise. Hmm. But I want you to remember who's given you that promise. It's the God who cannot lie. Hmm. He says, oh, by the way, who who makes the lame lame, the blind blind, the deaf deaf? Is it not I, the Lord? In other words, it's not just the fall of man in the garden that causes people to make fallen decisions and we are fallen people. No, listen, I understand that blindness is a terrible thing and deafness is a terrible thing, but listen, ultimately all things exist for God's glory. And we see that in John chapter 9. Whose sin? Was it this man or his parents that he's like this? And the answer of Christ was really simple and beautiful. Neither this man nor his parents, but that the glory of God, that the works of God might be made manifest for such a time as this. Yeah. And then he threw in the town. He didn't go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, loser. I was just going to say real quick, Oscar, and I'll let you jump in. But what blows my mind, honestly, is the mercy of the Lord. Because the succeeding verse says, God's anger burned toward Moses. I mean, God was not pleased with Moses' response. And then, you know, he selects Aaron. But you just think, I mean, the Lord could have just forget you, Moses. Yeah. Just, just evaporated him, you know, but... I, you see glimmers of God's patience in that. I think of Peter, you know? I mean, all that Peter... I mean, Moses, God is appearing to you in a burning... This is miraculous. He's telling you, I'm sending you. Where's your faith that he's going to do whatever he needs to do yeah. to use you, right? But same thing with Peter. He walked with Christ. He saw him. He knew. But there he was, right? Denying him in front of a servant girl and others. And so... Yeah, God's so patient. He still used he still used Peter, yeah. right? And he called for him by name when he returned. He still used Moses mightily. Mm. Amazing. Uh, 
The people I, who think that they are usable are probably the the least from being used by God. Oh. And this is what we see. The, the challenges we see from Moses' life are an example for you and I. Because yeah. Moses could have thrown in the towel ultimately and just completely walked away and abandoned everything. But what trials and tribulation and persecution and temptation and sufferings do is they push us, they thrust us to the foot of a bloodstained cross and say, it's not about me, I can't, you can, let's go. It's about Amen. you. Yeah, and I mean, that it's not about me point is really important because that is exactly what God's response is. This is not about you. I said this in a previous podcast, which is that God's response to Moses is so interesting to me when he's like, well, who am I, Lord? God could have easily been like, because on paper, Moses was the right guy. Moses knew the Egyptian culture. He knew the inside lane to Pharaoh. He knew the, the, the language. Like technically, you could have easily pointed to Moses' resume and be like, actually, <laughs> Moses, you're the guy. <laughs> right. But God's response is, I will be with you. Yeah. In other words, this has nothing to do with you. This has, this has nothing to do with what you're going to do. Rather, this is what I am going to do through you. I have simply chosen you to be the instrument in my redeeming hands, yeah. which to your point is incredibly in- encouraging for us when we, when we look at our weaknesses and our insecurities and we think like, who am I to be able to accomplish? We remember that it is not us who accomplishes anything but God yeah. through us. Yeah. One Amen. with God will always be in the majority. That's good. Amen. Hey, listener. Have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has a hundred dollars. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Okay, so Ray, we go from there, obviously, then to Moses coming before Pharaoh, and then we we've got you know Pharaoh's heart hardening, and then the plagues begin. This is when Charlton Heston shows up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, that, he was the guy, wasn't he, back in that time? He certainly Charlton was. Heston, yeah. Ten Commandments, the, uh, the manly man. He's not Ben Hur. I preferred him in Ben Hur much better than than Moses yeah. because the the makeup man in the Moses movie just needed to take a rest. <laughs> but know, whenever I think of Moses visually, I think of Charlton Heston with that glue on beard. That's <laughs> like that's, that's my vision. Yeah, that was that's, some that's, bad that's makeup work. Yeah. Now, here's the funny thing, right? We often talk about people that Oscar's all, who, who's that? Who's that? Because he's just a couple years behind us. But the people inside of our audience here have no idea who Charlton Heston is. Charlton <laughs> You're Heston. You're right. They we need to have an old call. Who knows Charlton Heston? <laughs> Raise your hand. Oh, we got one. We got one. <laughs> we got one. Yeah, None of them. Yeah. That just shows the, the how fame fades so quickly. Yeah, it you know, does. He's a, just a, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so, so let, there... me, let me just say something here. About Moses' lack of eloquence, we have... Yeah, 
you didn't read the verses you normally read when we do a character study. I know, I didn't. It's because of Oscar not liking it yesterday. What did I do? <laughs> hmm? You said, what do you read that verse for all the time? Yeah, but it, this is written for Oscar our admonition. Oscar doesn't like God's word. And, yeah, <laughs> it's written for our river. admonition. And the life of Moses, we should take and say, that's exactly how I feel as a Christian. I'm yeah. just not eloquent of speech. What we've got to remember is not only is God with us, it's not all about not about us. It's not all, all about God. It's all, all about people who are going to hell. Wow. That's what should be our motivation. And we're called to be witnesses of Christ. And if you're on a witness stand, no one wants eloquence on a witness stand. Judge says, did you see the crime? Yes, it was a moonless night. <laughs> <laughs> and the wind was blowing from the west. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want eloquence. He just wants, what have you seen yeah. and heard? We want to know. And that's the testimony of the Christian. We're well, just to testify of Christ. You know, real quick on that. You, you think about the leper, right? In Mark chapter one, mm. Christ touches him, heals him, and then says to him, don't tell anyone about mm -hmm. what I just did for you. I've talked about this before, but look how so compelled this man was because he had been radically touched and transformed by Christ. I assure you, he wasn't thinking about his eloquence at that time or how well he spoke or how, I mean, this guy was an outcast. He was a leper. He was, he was cut off from everyone. I, I assure you, he wasn't very eloquent in his speech. But even after Jesus said to him, don't say anything, he went out and it said he began to so spread the matter that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city and people came to him from everywhere, from every direction. And, and that should be our hearts. It's a reminder of who we were and where we were. You remember in 2 Peter 1, when it gives that list of virtues that right. should mark us, it says, but he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten his purification from his old sins. When we lack the virtues that should emanate us to, to be used by the Lord and to touch the world, it's because we've forgotten our purification from our old sins. We've forgotten our redemption, which means we've forgotten our redeemer. And we forget that we were lepers also. Yeah. Just like that that leper. Yeah. Um, leprosy in, in scripture is likened to sin. And what leprosy does is it takes away the feeling from the flesh. So you can do you just can't feel. That's what kills a leper. Right. And the, the skin rots. And that's exactly what sin does. It takes away feeling. You don't know right from wrong. Is that what's happening in Mark's face? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's those nice. sidecar donuts. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, such was some of us, and we should be blazing abroad the matter. Is that what it says? It was that guy, he blazed the matter abroad. Mm, he was on yeah. fire. It's like he, he published it. Yeah, it was kind of, he just went and just proclaimed it freely. I love that. Oscar, we intentionally kept interrupting you, but we'll let you speak now. I don't remember what I was going to say. No, that's probably really important. Yeah, it was about sure your memory was. improving recently. That's what it is. Okay, so then the plagues start on Pharaoh uh, and the Egyptians. You got you know water turning into blood, frogs, lice, flies, livestock, pestilence, boils, hail, locusts, darkness. Sounds like California. <laughs> Pretty much, right? <laughs> yeah. And then the killing of the firstborn. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at Pharaoh and I'm thinking, man, what's it going to take? Yeah. And, and I... I did think of you too, Ray. I'm thinking flies, plural. One fly and you lose your mind. Oh, absolutely. It's a plague. If one fly is a plague. Have you ever me. seen Ray deal no, with a fly? I don't think so. Yeah, I destroy You don't want to be in the room. Yeah, seriously. Everything, everything just loses relevance and significance. I can't get, I get, get that fly swat. I get the fly swat and I don't care what I knock over, who I knock over, yeah. I'm going to get that yeah, fly. Right, yeah, yeah, right. Filthy little creature. Has it ever yeah. happened like in the middle of your sleep? Comes into your room. Yeah, I, just I like you wake up. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> <laughs> That's you swallowing the yes, fly, by uh, the way. Yeah. So anyhow, Ray, what, what do you make anyhow? of that? Anyhow, you never heard of anyhow? <laughs> what do you make of that? Moses kind of perspective on, Lord, what's happening here? You sent me to this guy and he keeps, he's not letting us go. Stubborn. <laughs> yeah, he was stubborn. Just like Determined. sinners, they hold on to their sins. Yeah. And sometimes it takes the loss of the firstborn, their most 
prized possession and bring them to their knees. But do you see do you see a righteous stubbornness on Moses' part that he just can't? Oh, he's not going to let go. <laughs> yeah, he's, I'm coming back. Here's another plague. But, you know, we plague sinners with the Ten Commandments. That's the yeah. purpose of the law, to show sin to be exceedingly sinful and show them that the, the commandment, Paul said, which I thought was ordained to life, brought mm. death to me. Yeah. It was a plaguing death that the commandments bring to sinners. But um, you just wonder why God went through all the plagues. You know, why doesn't just God his arm open up the sky? <laughs> Pharaoh! Now, right. you know, what it scared the living day. Well, the fact him. that Pharaoh didn't just kill Moses, right? Yeah. I mean, God's hand of protection over obviously divinely and sovereignly. I so, mean, that, that's really a good indication too for us to keep in mind that, man, when, when God's hand is upon you, you don't have to fear. He's going he's gonna to preserve you. He's going to protect you. He's going to do what he needs to do to use you for his glory. So, Easy, were all those plagues because of the gods of Egypt? I've heard that That's sort of a thing. perspective, yeah, yeah. That, that, you know that the Lord was basically telling them, this is the ramification to idolatry. I mean, <laughs> you want to see the, that the power of your gods? Let me show you that, you know? Uh, but, you know, you think about the, the, the death of the children, the firstborn, and you think of what Pharaoh was doing to the children of Israel and killing their children, you know, and what that indicates. All right, so now we're, uh, we're at the Red Sea, Oscar, and there they are. Lord, you brought us out here. Now we're stuck, right? We're, we're, we're trapped. There's a mountain. There's, there's a, the Red Sea. And then God shows his glory. Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned in a previous podcast, anytime, well, it's so important that we understand the Old Testament in framing of the New Testament. You know, I mentioned that if you don't understand the Old Testament, you're, you're cutting off half of the New Testament. You're just, you're just misunderstanding it. And Moses is one of those really interesting historic figures that New Testament Jews would have framed their world in. What I mean by that is that Moses and David are kind of like what George Washington and Abraham Lincoln are to us here in the United States, in the sense that when we tell our history, to understand our culture, to understand where we come from, who we are, and where we're going, our ambitions, and our vision as Americans, you have to understand that through guys like George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. And Moses and David are, are sort of like the Washingtons and the Lincolns of the Old Testament. And here's, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're kind of pausing at the Red Sea because this is super important. Everything that happens in Moses's life sets up the way the rest of the people in the new in the Old and the New Testament see themselves. So we've got, we've already mentioned that God's people are enslaved to an evil people, which is Egypt and Pharaoh. God sends a prophet and plagues in Moses. They escape from the evil through the crossing of the Red Sea, which is what we're at right now. And then we'll talk about the long journey to the promised land where we see a faithless people and a faithful God. And so you take that framing and then you look at Babylon. God's people are a tribute to an evil people, Babylon. God send prophets on how to live in exile in in Daniel and Nehemiah. The people escape through the journey back to the promised land. And when they get to the promised land in Ezra, we see that we have a faithless people and a faithful God. In the New Testament, the promised land is occupied by Rome. Rome, again, sits in the same place that Egypt and Pharaoh did, that the Babylonians did. God sends a prophet in John and a savior in Jesus. Salvation is is happening through a spiritual baptism, which is recognized in a water baptism, which harkens back to the Red Sea. God's people experience a type of baptism going through the Red Sea. And then post-Pentecost journey to the promised land that his kingdom will 
come on earth as it is in heaven, as we see the epistles written, we see a faithless people and a faithful God. And you can apply that, of course, to the life of the believer. Each one of us are enslaved to the own, our own pharaohs in our hearts. Each one of us feel the allure of that Babylon, the, the culture around us, the persuasion of the world. And God reveals himself through Jesus. And of course, we can be born again through his spiritual baptism. And we do live now as exiles in the same way that, that Moses' people do, in the same way that God's people do in Babylon, in the same way that God's people do in Israel when Rome is there. And we are called to be a faithful people to a faithful God. And so the Red Sea is this key moment in Moses and is Moses in, in the people's lives that represent a type of change, a new covenant, a baptism, if you will, mm. that sets a precedence to our lives today. Yeah. And Ray, you're always talking about the, the Red Seas that we face in life and that God has a purpose in those. Yeah, and there's also the thought that the Red Sea really is the hopelessness that the world is in. Um, chased by Pharaoh, death, the, the grim reaper is chasing them, and they've got no way of escape. And what we're saying to them is stand still and see the salvation of God. That death that you think can't give you anything is going to open up when you understand the gospel. You're going to walk through by the grace of God. What a glorious picture of salvation into the promised land of, uh, of the kingdom of God. So, um, yeah, Moses can only take us to the edge. The law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, and Jesus takes us through. Amen. So, Mark, from there, we go to uh, the Ten Commandments. I mean, what a scene. God writing his moral law with yeah, his very Before finger. I get into that, I just want to comment on what we were just talking about. And I love the fact that, as John MacArthur had said at the last Shepherds Conference, that he absolutely loves and appreciates and looks forwards to the Red Seas in his life, where you cannot, with your own mind, work through this. You cannot figure it out. Your back is up against the wall. The, the enemy is behind you. It's like, it's been attributed, I think, to General MacArthur. I don't know who actually said it, but uh, at war, he looks out and he sees the enemy in front of him and he says, the enemy's in front of me. The enemy's behind me. The enemy's to the left and the enemy's to the right. He's not going to get away this time. <laughs> that was MacArthur. General MacArthur. It was General MacArthur. Yeah, yeah. But um, he, he copied off another guy, apparently. I, I think said I said it first. Yeah, it, was, it was Oscar that said it yeah. first. But it, that is the beauty of being inside of a situation where you cannot think your way out. You cannot financially pay yourself out of this situation. I love that. We need to embrace those situations more. No. <laughs> Knowing... <laughs> Ray, can you sing Refiner's Fire? No, Ray, not, no, <laughs> the, what are the words? I don't want Red Sea. I don't want anything. Ray, I want <laughs> no. you to think now, Lord, please test me. Think that no, now, Okay, Ray. <laughs> the only time I want to be tested, I'm going to be, make a boast now, because you tend to get tested on what you're going to preach. Yeah. Often, that often happens. I've got a sermon called How to Remain Humble When Someone Gives You a Million Dollars. Now, watch me get tested. Yeah. Love it. Test me on that, Lord. <laughs> In uh, chapter 14, verse 21 mm -hmm. of Exodus, we see Moses, he stretches out his hand, and he is a, a small uh, Christ, a small deliverer, if you would, for the people. And then we obviously, we see that, the parallelism inside the New Testament, when Jesus stretched out his hands, and he was the greater deliverer. I like what uh, Pastor Steve, Stephen Lee says, he's the pastor of Preaching and Vision at the North Church in Moundsview, Minnesota. This is what he says in comparison. He says, Moses... And all of his weakness and frailty reminds us we have someone better. Moses was imperfect, and sadly, he never entered the promised land. 
But God raises up a better prophet who will lead us all the way home. When, where Moses runs from the serpent in fear, Jesus crushes the head of the serpent. Where Moses wavers to go to his people, Jesus comes to suffer and to save his people. Where Moses stutters and stammers to reveal God's word, Jesus reveals it perfectly as the living and incarnate word. Where Moses is reluctant, Jesus goes willingly to lay down his life for his sheep. It is a glorious thing we have, a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus became weak to make a way for God to save and now commission weak people to accomplish his glorious purposes in the world. So like Paul, we can say, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Man, that's beautiful. Love the comparison. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ray, being that Mark said nothing about the Ten Commandments. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I can handle that one. I love you. Yeah, maybe that was sovereignly done. Go ahead. Yeah. God spoke his law to Israel. And the Bible says, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, this is the one that had spoken to God, I'm exceedingly quake and fear. And it's been well said, that was when God came with a smile on his face to give the law. How great will be the terror when he comes in wrath to render his anger with fury upon those who have transgressed that law. And the law was accompanied with thunderings and lightnings. And we've often talked before about how thunder and lightning terrify us just when we look at it in nature. And that's not even a revelation of God's anger against sin. And so those commandments were given to Israel to bring the knowledge of sin and how we can pick up that law in the New Testament and in this new age, on this age, and uh, bring a knowledge of sin and terrify sinners so they get the fear of God in their heart because the Bible says, through the fear of the Lord, men depart from a sin. Unless someone trembles like Felix trembled on a Paul's preaching or like the Philippian jailer when the earthquake came and terrified him, they won't depart from their sins because we love our sins. So the purpose of the law is to bring the knowledge of sin, show sin to be exceedingly sinful, so we flee to Christ, the, the one who redeems us from the curse of the law. Amen. I love when you talk about the law, Ray, and I think it's super important to remember how and why that law is giving on, on top of that. And, and the reason why I say this is because a lot of people think, well, God just seems like this arbitrary God who just makes up these random rules that I have to live by just to show that I am going to break them. But a key thing to understanding, especially in Moses' relationship with God or God's relationship with Moses, is that he says to them, you will be my people and I will be your God. That's the message he gives them when he delivers the law, which is to say that this law is deeply relational. It has something to do with the covenant that God is making with his people. Ultimately, the law is teaching us something about the character of God. For example, do not steal. Well, of course, because God never takes anything that doesn't belong to him because it's all his, right? Do not commit adultery. Well, of course, because God is a trustworthy God. Do not murder. Well, certainly because God is the God of love. And so what this law does is it reveals to God's people, here is this God who loves you and you are this people who cannot love God. You fall short of honoring the God who created you, of living, of being in the image of your creator. And so it reveals their sin by showing them how petty their love is for God and for others. Yeah. And again, I think, you know, we take it for granted that everyone who follows our ministry understands why we really give focus to the use of the law in evangelism. The law was given as a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. It reveals the, the sinful nature of our heart. 
And as you said, Oscar, and as I mentioned in the last podcast, it is eternal because it, it is based on the character and the nature of God. And so that, that's hugely important. And Mark, you, you mentioned a bit ago, Moses didn't get to go into the promised land. You know, we talked about that before too. And, and this, is, this is, for me, the pivotal place of faith that needs to be demonstrated by God's people, because that to me makes no sense. Like when you consider all the sins that others have committed and, and it, you know, it was pardoned, but it, it, it reminds us that God's ways are not our ways, that God is a just, holy, perfect judge. He understands and knows exactly why. I mean, you know, he, he, of all the things that happened, he tells Moses, go ahead and, you know, speak to the rock and, you know, hallow me before these people. And, you know, Moses was fed up, you know, and, and I mean, he, you know, here now you rebels, this is Numbers 20, uh, 7 to 12, here now you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? And he strikes the rock twice. Now, here in the instructions, God said, speak to the rock, right? It, could it be that he told him to take the rod? Maybe he intended that as well. Is it his attitude and the way that he represented God, his frustration? We don't know exactly, but whatever it was, it, it, it offended and grieved the Lord. And he says to him, because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Could it also be that Jesus, the rock, did need to be struck twice? Right. Christ is one suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. Yeah. He might bring us to Christ. That's yeah. the picture. I mean, you know, he had struck the, the rock once when he had given him water before. Now he does it twice. Could it be that? I mean, it, it's conjecture. But whatever the case, it makes me as a person, if I disconnect myself from remembering that God is God and I'm not, it can lead me to go down the road of, Lord, why? I don't get it. I don't understand. I mean, look at Moses, all that he did, all that he endured, right? It's, it's humbling, and it also instills the fear of God yeah. in you to know that why did God kill Ananias and Sapphira? Yeah. Plenty of people doing worse things around that time. I mean, Herod kills James with a sword. Why didn't God go, Herod, that's enough. That's James. You just kill him yeah. with a sword. You know, he killed John the Baptist. Why didn't God intervene? And so it just, like you said, I'm not God. I, my mind isn't anything like the mind of God, and we've just got to trust him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, since Adam there's this promise of a snake crusher and along comes Moses. And, and you may think that he is the snake crusher, that he's the redeemer of God's people, but we see that ultimately he falls short. He is not the snake crusher. And Moses holds a very particular office. Most kings are simply kings. Most priests are simply priests and most prophets are simply prophets. But Moses is one of the few all through the Old and New Testament that holds the threefold office of prophet, priest, and king. He's the prophet to, to God's people. He's the prophet to Pharaoh. He's the king in the sense that he leads God's people. And then he's a priest and that he's a representative of God's people to God. But ultimately, he's he doesn't enter the promised land. He falls short because he's not the Messiah. And what it does... If you're a, a, a Jewish person reading this 2,000 years ago, what it does is it's almost like this narrative anticipation, like, oh, is this him? Is this the Messiah? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, he was great, but could you imagine how much greater the Messiah, the perfect prophet, the perfect priest, and the perfect king will be in that person, of course, is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that he actually did end up making it into the promised land. We see it in Mark chapter 9 and Luke 9 and Matthew 17. Ah, that's right. right. The transfiguration. The Mount yeah. of Transfiguration, where yeah. we have Jesus who's transfigured greater than that of a launderer, <laughs> it says. He was able to finally be there. And when he was there, when he finally did show up, 
he was there with his savior. Yeah, amen. And, and you know, Moses' Moses' meekness and submission to the Lord, right? Like the Lord lets him go up on Mount Nebo and see the promised land, but you will not enter. And he, he accepts, he doesn't rebel, he doesn't, you know, we're running out of time, but we got to hit a few more really, really important things about Moses' like gracious, merciful heart, right? Think of all that, that he went through. He comes down from, from you know, the mountain with the 10 commandments. God tells him, go see what your people are doing, right? He goes down there worshiping a golden calf. I mean, and that's when Moses breaks all 10 commandments, right? Literally. Clumsy. Uh, we thought yeah. Ray was clumsy. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, God says to him, and I mentioned this the other day, and I will make of you a great nation. And then Moses pleaded with the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? And he goes on from there and pleads with the Lord not to destroy him. And it says in verse 14, this is Exodus 32, so the Lord relented from the harm, which he said he would do. Then we see in Numbers 12, right? Hmm. Miriam and Aaron speaking against Moses because of the Ethiopian whom he had married. It says, for he had married the Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And then you guys remember, God strikes Miriam with leprosy. And Aaron goes off scot-free. Yeah, I know. It's like, maybe I think Aaron's like, please, my Lord, don't let her become like one of the dead people. So then Moses cries out to God and says, please heal her, O God, I pray. Instead of like him being, what? What are you guys doing? You're trying to usurp my authority. Again, yes. he intercedes. The final one is when the congregation complained against him. Remember after Korah and his, his whole group and the leaders of the people, prominent people, it says, men of renown, God kills them all, right? It's the ground swallows them up. Then the people complain against him. You've killed the people of the Lord. And then the Lord's like, that's it, man. And he starts, a plague starts to spread. People start to die. And again, Moses intercedes and he stands in the gap. I love the way that it, that it describes it. It says he ran into the midst of the assembly and Already the plague had begun, so he put in the incense and made atonement for the people, and he stood between the dead and the living, so the plague was stopped. That's the salvation. I mean, what a heart that is, you know, that that still in the midst of all this stuff, all his sacrifice and 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 the the patience he had to endure it with these people, still when God says, I'll start a nation with you, Moses, the na- forget the nation of Israel, the nation of Moses, you know? No, Lord, please. Hmm. Aaron and, 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 his, and, and Miriam complaining against him. Okay, God, please heal her. You know, the people are now complaining against him and they're coming against him and God starts destroying them. No, Lord, please. I mean, I want that heart yeah. because when I'm wronged, that's not typically how I respond. When I look at the wickedness of the world around me. Here, 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 here. <laughs> no, right? just start looking after sheep for 40 years. You'll be like that. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah. And we haven't even touched on Moses saying, God, let me see your glory. Oh. I know. Well, that, that just gives me Want to touch on that real quick? Yeah, right? Moses asked God, let me see your glory. And God said, you can't see me and live. In other words, the, the holiness of God would kill him because mm-hmm. God is so holy. Whenever uh, he sees sin, he must, must have retribution. There must be punishment mm-hmm. for sin. And so God says, I'll put you in the cleft of a rock and I'll pass by. And you, look, you can look at where I've been. And when Moses came down from the mountain, because he had looked on where God had been, his face so shone with the glory of God, the children of Israel couldn't even look at Moses' face because he had looked at where God had been. Yeah. And people say, I want to talk to God. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind on judgment oh, day. I have man. no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. It's like I've often said, you know, it's like an ant standing at the base of Mount Everest and flexing. No, you know, no, no, like, like a very short end in the base of 10,000 Mount Everest. Like a microscopic well, amoeba <laughs> standing before How tall 50 is your billion I have a planets. very short ant. She would never stand in front of Mount Everest, I promise you that. Yeah, but, uh, you know, or, or, or just a little, you know, a little flea standing, you know, to give it, it's its, to give its piece, to give a piece of it, its mind to the sun. You yeah. know, it's just insanity. Yeah. I think it's really important 
as we're coming to a close here, to recognize that Moses doesn't just deliver the law. The story of Moses also contains the gospel. And that is especially seen in the tabernacle and in the Passover feast that Moses, that God establishes through Moses. He gives him this tabernacle as a representative of a heavenly place, a kingdom, a heaven on earth as it is in heaven. That is exactly what the tabernacle represents to God's people. It is the very presence of God here on earth, except they are not cleansed. They are not clean. They cannot be in the presence of the tabernacle. And I love, I love the the day of atonement that God establishes through Moses. And for those who don't know, essentially they would have a, a priest, the high priest get cleansed, walk into the tabernacle, make a sacrifice on behalf of the people. And then they would come out. And as Jewish history tells it, they would take one lamb, the best lamb in all the village, and they would slaughter it. And then they would take another lamb and they would pray the sins of the people onto the head of that lamb. And they would wrap a red ribbon around that lamb. And they would lead that lamb out into the wilderness for slaughter because that was their sins leaving them out of the people, making atonement uh, between them and God. And of course, God, God uses this imagery not as a way in which their sins will actually be forgiven, but as preparation for the true lamb of God, the one who will take away the sins of the world, that is Jesus. And so in Moses, we see both the law and we see the gospel in the in the tabernacle and in the day of atonement. Amen. All right, I wanna leave it off on this note. Mark, I want you to comment on this. This is Numbers 11, 26 to 29. This to me is one of the most beautiful reflections of the heart of a truly kingdom-minded person and, and, a, and a person who loves people. This is Numbers eleven twenty six to 29. It says, but two men had remained in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad and the name of the other was Medad and the spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those listed, but who had not gone out to the tabernacle yet they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. So Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Then Moses said to him, are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. I mean, you know, Moses is implying here, wait, are you like, do you think I'm jealous here? Like, do you think, oh, they're gonna, they're gonna prophesy or take away from my, my authority or whatever? Man, I, I wanna see God use people, right? Isn't that just beautiful? Mm, yeah, I think it should be canon. <laughs> No, I mean, what do I say to that? Absolutely. I mean, when you're functioning as the body of Christ and everybody doing their part, nobody's jealous of the other uh, members. Nobody, nobody cares. They only want to see God uh, be glorified. And it's been often my prayer since January of 94, God, no matter how much it hurts, no matter how much I kick and scream, I never want to be out of your will. Do whatever you must do. My eyesight is not my own. My finances, my uh, children, my wife, the, the, none of these things are mine. Yeah. So there are no issues inside my life. They're just stepping stones to get me to where I need to be, and God will be glorified at all costs, no matter the cost. Amen. 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 Well, there you have it, friends, the life of Moses. Seriously, with these character studies, I feel like we can go on yes. and on forever. Amen. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> yes, friends. All right. Well, don't forget the starter kit and the evidence study Bible at livingwaters.com. And don't forget, please, to give us comments and ratings and to send us your emails with your thoughts. Hey, 
If there are any specific characters you'd like us to touch on, let us know at podcast at livingwaters.com. Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. A holy bama. No, what was that guy's name? Um, it's an Isaiah. Isaiah? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's like this super long name. Anyway, friends, thank you for joining us. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters podcast. And today I'm going to do it a little different. Yeah, yeah, where we have no idea what we're doing. But we're going to have our studio guests clap us out. What you guys did at the beginning was pathetic. Let me hear it. Give it away, guys. <laughs> Woo! Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Will and Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.